you know, when you're younger, it starts with you adapt to your parents' music. If you have an older sibling, it will come a time where around <laughs> middle school, you will adapt to their music. So <laughs> around middle school, I got introduced to a band called Under Oath, which is a hardcore band, and Emery, which is also in the hardcore vein. And it just completely shook my little 12-year-old body. And ever since I'm going into high school, I was a complete scene kid, going to shows, eyeliner, the whole nine yards. I would cut my own hair, razor it. Like I was 100% in. Um, leading it, the summer-ish leading into my eighth grade year was probably like the year that most defined my music tastes. Because in 2006, Taylor Swift came out with her debut record. And then in 2007, Paramore dropped Riot. And those mm. were like Taylor Swift and Paramore was pretty much all I listened to for a year straight. When I, ha- whenever I find my old iPod, if it's around somewhere, I guarantee you Misery Business is the number one played song on that <laughs> iPod. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce Springsteen train tonight, though I'm sure he will come up, as he always does. And I am doing, let me give you a little background, listeners. From one of the things in 2022, I wanted to diversify my guest list. I wanted more podcasters, I wanted more creative people, and I wanted more guests who aren't old white guys, even though I am an old white guy. And so I have two female podcasters joining me tonight. I'm checking off two boxes. I am feeling great. Um, forget that I didn't go to the gym, forget I haven't lost any weight. I'm at least making some progress on 2022 uh, <laughs> things. Uh, Leah, J- Beth Ann, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. All right. So uh, why don't you guys tell us a little about yourself? We'll go in opposite alphabetical order and we'll go Leah first. I'm Leah. I co-host you. Um, what, what do you want me to t- talk about? There's so much. Your elevator pitch, whatever you want to so say. so bad at talking about myself. The elevator pitch of Leah. Um, I'm really into Taylor Swift and the struts, and that's pretty much what lives in my brain 98% of the time. Um, I also really like Star Wars, and I like running, although I really haven't been running that much. Now I've been doing CrossFit stuff. Um, and I am the organizational social media, emailing side of our podcast. <laughs> I am going to get into that about how you guys decide who does what, if it's, you know, oh, if totally. it's rock, paper, scissors, or just you know, like, <laughs> oh, you, you said last. So Beth Ann, how about you? What's your elevator pitch? Yeah. So the elevator pitch of who Beth Ann Tarpley is, um, I'm loud. I'm often have to turn myself down on our podcast episodes because <laughs> I don't know how to hold it back. Um, but yeah, I am the other half of She Will Rock You. I handle the content side of it. So all the editing, graphics, direction of those things falls under me. Um, I really like dogs as well as music from all over genres. Even though we are a rock podcast, I also listen to R&B, jazz, um, soul, I, I, I'm just a connoisseur of all different types of music, but I um, grew up listening to like hardcore stuff, which we'll talk about more. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I do. And also I talk about movies on some other different shows I get invited to because I am quite a movie buff as well. Very nice. All right. So yes, She Will Rock You is their podcast. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We actually will go all over the board on this discussion till finally they go, enough, Jesse, like you have to let us go. We're we're talking too long. But I always like to start at the beginning. Tell me, and we'll start with you, Beth Ann, what kind of music did your family listen to when you were a little one? Was it a musical family? 
Yeah. I actually did grow up in a musical family. Um, every single mm-hmm. one, like my brothers and my first cousins, cause my dad is actually a twin. So those cousins as well, all of us did music. Um, so I definitely grew up in a musical family, both playing music and listening to music. Um, I myself am a musician. I do that on the side as well, but, um, yeah, as far as like the music I play, I've listened to growing up, um, a lot of seventies, honestly, my mom was very big into Stevie wonder, Elton John Motown. That's really where I feel like I cut my teeth as far as for rock history. And then as I was growing up, I listened to a lot of nineties grunge against my mother's will, but it happened. Penn Gillette said in his podcast that he gets angry when he hears teenagers talking that they love classic rock because he said rock and roll should be music your parents hate. He just <laughs> he says that that should be the rule. It's you true. Should, like, like that is the in the core of rock and roll. Now and later, you know, you grow to like your parents' music maybe or go through, but there there is that rebel stage. How about you, Leah? Uh, my my upbringing is probably a little non-traditional in the music sense. So mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house growing up because we, we lived across the street from my grandparents, um, which is super cool. But I joke that like a lot of my friends grew up in houses that they couldn't listen to music that wasn't Christian music. I grew up in a, a household at my grandparents that I couldn't listen to music that wasn't country music. Yes. Um, we either had CMT on the TV or one of the two local radio stations. And then every weekend we were watching Grand Ole Opry because um, I spent a lot of like weekend nights over at their house. Um, and then as I got older and got like my first iPod, my parents were divorced. So I was at my dad's house and he taught me how to use LimeWire, <laughs> which, you know, super illegal. Don't, don't do that at home, kids. Yeah. Um, and he, he just started like throwing some of his music on there, which my parents are younger. Like my parents are just turning 50 this year. Um, and I'm 28. So they, my dad is really into like hair metal and like Guns N' Roses and Metallica, um, and also some screaming stuff that I do not touch, but Mm -hmm. he put that kind of stuff on my, my iPod. And I mean, I only had what, like 300 songs in there I could cycle through. So they'd come up every now and then I was like, Oh, I really like this. Like really got into Guns N' Roses. And then, uh, with the, the power that, was LimeWire. I just started downloading all kinds of stuff and yeah. gave my computer, all the viruses in the process. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I feel like I, around high school, I got like super eclectic because I yeah. would just venture out. And I was the kind of kid who I spent hours organizing my iTunes library because I couldn't just have the file name be like guns and roses underscore. Um, I had to, you know, type in the exact album art and everything that went with it <laughs> how did Very you survive nice. on an ipod shuffle is my question oh, i never had a shuffle my dad got oh. a video oh okay rich rich <laughs> what was the the I, I i can't remember what comedian made this joke but i find there are a lot of truth in it that especially back in an ipod with an iphone now a lot of times you're just you know your whole your iTunes catalog ends up getting, you know, automatically loaded. But back in an iPod, you had to pick what songs you wanted. Mm -hmm. And yet how often did you hit skip when you were listening to it? Like why, what, why am I skipping? If I thought enough, I was going to upload this song. Why am I now skipping it? But it is the truth, right? All the time. (laughs) So uh, Leah, I grew up, uh, my dad was in the army And so we moved around a lot and my mom was very much a mama's and daddy's girl. And so anytime my dad would be stationed overseas, she would pick up and move back home to, you know, in a house either next door to my grandparents or in a city close to it. So I spent a lot of time at the dairy farm. And um, as I make the joke on my podcast, um, I listened to both kinds of music, country and Western growing up, uh, <laughs> yeah. a blues brother joke. Um, and true story, I went to Ohio to visit my dad's parents, so my other grandparents, not the ones in Louisiana. And I had cousins and they were shocked at like 1968, 1969, I could not name all four Beatles. 
<laughs> because oh you know now i could name every johnny cash song and merle haggard and hank mm-hmm. williams you know mm-hmm. but yeah i like there i guess there's this george guy and paul i mean you know i didn't i didn't know so absolutely um <clears throat> high school you guys getting older and you're finding it what you guys you talked about some grunge you talked about uh finding hair metals what as you continue to grow older how did your musical taste change and we'll start with you beth yeah i mean i think you know when you're younger it starts with you adapt to your parents' music. Right. But if you have an older sibling, it will come a time where around <laughs> middle school, you will adapt to their music. So <laughs> around middle school, I got introduced to a band called Under Oath, which is a hardcore band, and Emery, which is also in the hardcore vein. And it just completely shook my little 12-year-old body. And ever since I'm going into high school, I was a complete scene kid, going to shows, eyeliner, the whole nine yards. I would cut my own hair, razor it. Like I was 100% in. And there's even this, we talk about, I talk about sometimes, sometimes there's this infamous church directory photo (laughs) where it's my mom. And then it's me standing, she's sitting in a chair and I'm kind of, you know, lurking over in that church pose. Yes. I have the bandana tied in my hair. It is black, jet black, and these thick eye-lined raccoon eyes. And it, let me tell you, it's a moment. <laughs> it's a moment in history that I don't know if it will ever be repeated, but was, I'm, I, I'm glad it's on photo because it's something. Was the youth pastor praying for you often? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but like, uh, the, you know, for that time, like I also listened to a lot of Christian hardcore. So like, oh, yeah, fine. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> How about you, Leah? Um, leading it the summer ish leading into my eighth grade year was probably like the year that most defined my music tastes because in 2006, Taylor Swift came out with her debut record. Yeah. And then in 2007, Paramore dropped Riot. And those mm. were like Taylor Swift and Paramore was pretty much all I listened to for a year straight when I ha- whenever I find my old iPod if it's around somewhere I guarantee you misery business is the number one played song on that iPod <laughs> very um, nice so like, oh go ahead. no I was going to ask you have you seen the interview with Taylor Swift talking about Bruce Springsteen I don't think I have so you should google it she was on the Ellen show I think it's Ellen and she tells the story that Bruce bought brought his daughter and a couple of her friends to a show she was performing when uh uh, you know his uh, daughter was going to school there and uh somewhere in North Carolina and um so you know you're Bruce Springsteen you get to go backstage right and so Taylor Swift tells the story that you know she's oh I love you and Dancing in the Dark is my favorite song and so he took her guitar that she asked him to sign and he played dancing in the dark for her oh, and so you, you you if you google the story you'll tell her she she I'll she, look that she up. fans girls the way you know and so it was it it was just really sweet you know that made it so that's that's pretty neat um talk about the podcast i i have as i shared with you before we hit record i have kind of recently discovered y'all i've binged multiple episodes i i i listened to your you know origin story i i've listened to you guys do buddy holly i listened to your bruce one i laughed because it was so charming you guys talking about bruce <laughs> so why did you talk about how did you guys become friends and then why did you guys decide you needed a podcast together do you mean tell the story about that? Yeah, you go. You yeah. go Leah. Okay. Um, so we worked together many months ago um, okay. at this point at a marketing agency. Neither of us worked there anymore. Um, but we very quickly got to talking like all the time during work to the point where they had to physically separate us and put our offices in separate rooms. Uh, they really didn't stop us because we had Slack. Like we could still talk to each other. But um we had kind of thrown around the idea of starting a podcast and we were like, what do we do it on a Disney podcast? Like we live in Virginia. That makes no sense. Also, there's a million of those. Um, we, th- we threw out like a weird news type podcast, but that sounded like way too much work to keep up with what's currently weird in the world. 
Um, and then one day we were going, we were going to, I think a drag show or something, create like something downtown. Mm-hmm. And I was in the back seat of our friend Lauren's car and Beth Ann was in the front. And I said, oh, hey, there's a Fleetwood Mac tribute band coming near us this summer. Beth Ann, do you want to go? And she's like, hell yeah. And Lauren turns around and looks at me and goes, who's Fleetwood Mac? And we looked at each other. And we were like, that's our podcast. We have yeah. to we have to do rock history because there's people our age out there who don't know who Fleetwood Mac is. Um, and so we just kind of we met in a, a record store actually and brainstormed out the whole thing and figured out what we were going to do. And the original plan was just, you know, the rock history episodes that we did for like our first year and are still doing. Yeah. Um, and then it quickly turned into adding interviews of people in the industry. Uh, originally it was going to be artists and then it grew to being photographers and um, editors and journalists and authors and record label owners. And it's been a wild ride and we've thrown in other stuff like working through the 500 greatest albums um we do our crossovers with muses we do concert recaps like yeah we've got, we've got a lot going on over here yeah um one of the things i've enjoyed is uh you do a pretty diverse genre and you know mostly rock but uh, the different artists you know everything from you know loretta lynn to i mean i'm I just finished that one to, you know, Buddy Holly, you did Bruce, you're doing Queen, you you go through different things. But also it seems like, and just for me, you guys are doing a good job of interviewing female artists and, and female creatives, not just musicians, but things. And I think that's good. As I said, I'm trying to diversify my guest day. So I think you guys do a great job of that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I know that wasn't really a question and you know, like what the, okay. What am I supposed to say with that? Thank you, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I, think, um, yeah. I think diversity is definitely at the core of what our podcast does because part of it is from a female perspective, knowing that rock and roll was started by sister Rosetta Tharp, who is a black queer woman. Yeah. Um, and I think we often lose sight of that rock and roll has all these incredible women in it. And I mean, we can talk all day about this, but the lack of respect that women have gotten in that industry or of having to work twice as hard. So we definitely put diversity at the forefront of whatever we do, whether it's choosing our episodes, being really careful about curating and making sure we mix up mm-hmm. um, different genres, different diversities, and who we bring on the show as well. Yeah, I what I what I've really liked is the idea that, you know, it 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 does feel like and I know that um, I can't remember which one of you has the, uh, you know, the skin on the wall that I did go a music appreciation class and, you know, at school. So hey, the history of rock, rock history class. That's right. Don't don't F with me. I'm accredited, <laughs> right? So, uh, but you guys, it does feel like, um, you know, it, it, it almost like, okay, you know, Leah, you're assigned, go find out everything you can find about, you know, the monkeys. Okay, then mm-hmm. come back and let's tell our audience, right? And it, there is such a joy in listening to you guys because there is this holy shit moment. Or, you know, <laughs> and I do think if we're making a drinking game, Waylon Jennings, take a drink, right? Because it seems <laughs> like in the He's episodes everywhere. I've sampled, his name comes up multiple times. So much. Yeah. Like Waylon Jennings is the Kevin Bacon of the music world sometimes. <laughs> it does feel that way after <laughs> listening to you guys. That was hilarious. I, yeah, you know, I guess you, he was in Buddy Holly and in Loretta Lynn. So you just yes, happen to choose the two. <laughs> but it was it was yeah it was like really funny um so i you guys mentioned though in your origin episode that you thought about doing a complaining about people uh theory podcast (laughs) what is was that do you guys remember you know i have no recollection leah i think it has something to do with like uh going into the facebook groups and like Uh, pulling people who were complaining about dumb stuff and mocking we've done them. that 
you know those food fight posts recently would have been perfect content oh my for them. Gosh, yes for some reason food fights keep happening in our city and we really don't know why like at restaurants yes. and it happens like every day and it shows up on our traffic page the people who scam police radars and whatnot and it's like there was a 20 person food fight at a seafood restaurant crab legs swinging it was we're not making this up i swear i wish i could make this up but it's not it's not possible and then there's been fist fights breaking out at our mexican restaurants twice twice and then what was the other one um at a diner yeah there's another food fight that started Mm -hmm. i i don't understand our town is something else well the reason why i i was laughing at that because um this you know the local sports station i listen to they'll they'll throw in a fake you know um new york or philly accent they need to be ripped right and i think about that uh i've had a uh, especially social media you run into people that need to be ripped i i have i ended up having to block one springsteen uh fan because like every every like once a week so Bruce, when you get basically, and I'm paraphrasing, Bruce, when you get off your acid tour, like Ooh. okay, like hey, Bruce, what you keep saying you're going to do this soon? What is soon? Come on, you become a used car guy, and I'm like okay, and I won't bore you, but I went through. Here's all the shit he has done in the past two years, including doing a podcast with President Obama. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, doing you know Broadway back on Broadway has released you know two new albums in the last three years, plus the No Nukes concert. You know, he's done some shit, but yeah. I guess not enough for you. And I uh, some fans I, feel like they they are owed something every single day by yes. their favorite artist, yeah. and I don't understand it exactly. Like. We, me and Leah are often talking about like, you have to respect the artists. Yeah. And people just like, like Leah was saying, it's like this almost fan service, like you have to give me more. And I think social media definitely amplifies it. Yeah. But there's still a human behind it. Like you got to respect their time. Yeah. You know, he's a 71 year old guy. Let's, you know, and I don't know, we have had this freaking pandemic. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's say uh, that. Um, how has the podcast changed? You mentioned a little bit. Uh, I think the interviews, what what made you decide to start doing interviews with creative people in either one of you? Really? I mean, someone just asked, like, yeah. can we get interviewed? I'm like, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and we did it. And it was a random little, uh, I don't want to belittle them, but like it was a yeah. random band out in New York City. Um 12 humans. That was our first 12 human. Yeah, that was the first one. And they're really nice. But it was definitely like a learning ground for us of how to do how to do interviews. Um, but it kind of just kept happening to us. So we're like, okay. And then we started reaching out to artists and they yeah. surprisingly got back to us, which I didn't think was going to happen. And it kind of just snowballed from there. What why why do you enjoy that part of it? What, what has been fun about that? I think um, as our podcast started, we started at a point of looking back at history, which I'm a firm believer of always looking back at history to help plan your steps for the future. And I think that applies in many different scenarios. But in a music standpoint, it's really come in clutch with these interviews because you're getting not only a glimpse of the past, you're seeing where music is going mm-hmm. um, with uh, newer artists and up and coming artists. And there's some artists that we're in contact with that have been around for a little bit, but then they're doing new things. I think that's, what's beautiful about, uh, the rock scene that's happening right now is it's getting refreshed, but it's pulling from those grounds, if you will, those roots of where it came from. So I think having both of those in your review window, for example, is really helping kind of guide a path and have a well-rounded view of rock music. Mm-hmm. You, um, you guys have mentioned on the podcast that you feel you guys have a pretty good local music scene. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Local to us is not what I think some people think of as okay. local. Like we can't walk out on our, in our front yard and see a show. Like we got to drive no. an hour to yeah. two to three hours. Um, 
but I will say we live like two hours from UNC Chapel Hill. Okay. Um, and that scene specifically, I feel like is getting really, really cool, really, really fast. They have um, several just little, little venues, like right. 50 to 200 person venues. And it seems like a lot of artists, at least that I'm interested in, are coming through there now. And that didn't mm-hmm. happen for like pre-pandemic even like that just didn't happen um I think I have like four shows this year in that area which is wild to me like I used to try to DC or all the way to Raleigh to see like one arena show a year and that was it that was all I got so it's it's cool to because I've lived here in the middle of nowhere my entire life so it's been cool to see it to see it kind of creep into my little circle a little bit more well, because um, I moved to Dallas in 86 from uh, Louisiana, my wife and I. And so around 88, 87, 88, we, st- we discovered Deep Ellum and uh, Edie, Berham- Edie Brokow and the New Bohemians, uh, other, you know, Reverend Horton Heat. There were other mm-hmm. Dallas bands. And the lady I mentioned to you, Sarah Hickman, that um, is, is ended up being, have a, a very interesting career. Uh, but uh, there is something beautiful about finding local bands or bands that like I was really uh, I had tickets to go see Lily Hyatt, which is John Hyatt's daughter, which uh, I think is really talented. And it's kind of fun to go see that these in more intimate venues to hear these different where they're singer songwriters or they're rock and roll bands or what Americana or whatever soul, mm-hmm. whatever you want to kind of hear them creating new music, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's next in the podcast? What do you guys think? What, what's your plans now? Oh, good Lord. Uh, survive, breathe. <laughs> <eat. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, for us, we're kind of just rolling at this point. We have just been experiencing, I think, I would say since last year, exponential growth, which we're so, so, so thankful for. We are just really glad for the people who have found us and the people we have found in the podcast community. Um, Honestly, I just feel so lucky every day to know the people I've encountered from it. Um, But yeah, as far as for us, we're going to keep doing our main episodes, interviews. Um, hopefully we'll, we're looking to diversify our interviews a little bit more, um, do some more crossover episodes with other podcasts that mm-hmm. we work with. And then Leah and I are just going to go to shows with our, I don't know, spare hour we have during the week. Yes. That one free day. We have a month. That one free day. <laughs> are there, who are, you guys have mentioned both your favorite artists. Who are you who are you hoping to see live in the next couple of years? I will sell my right kidney to see Taylor Swift perform live. Okay. So I take it you have not seen her? I have not. Because like I said, I'd have to drive like four hours to go see her. And the last time she toured, I was in college and I was too broke to do that. So. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Beth Ann? Is there someone you're chasing? I, well, I just saw a band I was chasing for a while. They're called Spirit Box. And okay. they got checked off the list a few weeks ago. And that was an incredible show. Um, we actually have a recap on our, um, I think, released two weeks ago. And as far as from new bands, there's this band called Leprous that I really like. They are out of, I want to say Norway. Um, okay. Absolutely talented musicians. These guys know music theory down to a pin. And they just surprise me with new, the songs they come out with. Okay. So that's one. I also have this jazz singer I absolutely love named Melody Gardot. Um, she plays mostly in Europe, but she's American. So I don't know if she comes here as much. I think she's just found her success in Europe. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. She is on my list. But I think those two are the ones I'm keeping my sights on right now. Good. So I'm going to jump onto the Bruce train just for a moment. You guys had done the episode on Bruce and kind of talked his history. Did you guys deep? Did you guys take a dip into Springsteen waters and listen to any specific songs or kind of get a feeling of, uh, you know, Bruce? That was my episode. So I, okay. I did. I, um, I read his book and then I, I watched the Broadway special on Netflix 
which you did not enjoy much. No, I really didn't. I think I'm so spoiled by other music documentaries that it just felt a little, just in the production, it felt a little lackluster. It just was like, we set up a camera and then he did his thing and then we just cut the footage. Like, I don't know. It needed some kind of like interview interspersed in there somehow, a little bit more context. But um, I... I mean, I, if he comes on, I'm not going to skip him. Yeah. He's on some, I have some stuff on some playlists. My yeah. cat is scratching at the ceiling. I, don't I, know I, she... I, I, she's visiting. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, um, yeah. I, I thought that was interesting because it was, um, I was lucky enough to go see him on Broadway. Uh, my wife is a saint and said, yes, we have no business you spending that much money for one ticket, but yes, go. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, um, and so it, that's exactly what it was in Broadway. It was just him coming out and, and talking and, and sharing the stories. If I saw it live, I feel like I might would like it better. There's something that's lost on the TV a little bit yeah. also. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always feel that way. Like I can watch videos of like, if I I'll sometimes look up opening bands before I go see them and yeah. I'm like, eh, this could go either way. And then I see yeah. them, I'm like, oh my God, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure if I saw it live, I would enjoy it. Have either one of you seen him perform live? I haven't, no. Yeah. Okay. So that's should be on your to-do list. Of course, you may not like him. I I I've said over there are two kinds of people. The people that go see a Bruce show that go, damn, that was long. <laughs> <laughs> and then the others that go, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. I, I need to go see him every other time I can. So there's a good chance you could be either one. I love right. a long show though. Like uh-huh. sign me up for a three hour set. I'll be there the whole yeah. time. <laughs> that yeah. fans like thinks I'm crazy. I have to have different, like I could do three hours at a show. No problem. But I better get at least two different artists. Nope. Yeah. Like, I need, I need a palate cleanser. Yes. That's funny. Uh, I, the last show show I went to not counting Broadway uh, was in he was there in Jersey at the Metro, you know, MetLife football stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, stadium. yeah. And he hit almost four hours. And uh, so it was the first time I'd seen him where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. That's a long I, time I'm in sa- Jersey. I'm saving. That's a long, I, I'm long time. Yeah. It was the show where um, he was closing with Jersey girl, the Tom mm-hmm. Waits cover and a couple got engaged and he had them Aww. on stage and uh, he he had them. He asked, you know, the, again, the guy said, I'm so glad you said yes. And then, you know, Bruce said, give her a little dance. And so he finished Jersey Girl and the fireworks went off and you're like, OK, Aww, this is like sweet. a movie. This was. Yeah, it's perfect. That's cute. Yeah, it's good. So. Besides Taylor Swift, anyone else you guys are chasing, who else would you want to see live? Are there any of the classics you want to see? Oh, I am definitely Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Definitely Stevie Wonder. I always wanted to see Ellen John, but I missed the boat on that because he's on his goodbye tour. Yeah. Um, Tickets expensive too. He's coming to Dallas and I looked and I went, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And probably for me, I wouldn't mind like seeing Fleetwood Mac, the, the one that started it all, so to speak. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Who are bands you guys want to cover on the podcast, but you haven't yet? Do you have a wish list of people you want to discover to cover and kind of discuss? Bowie's been on my list since day one, but that's a big one. Yeah. And I, I need like a proper month to research it. Okay. And the last couple of months I've just been a little rushed. So sure. hopefully over the summer, I'll knock that one out. Okay. Um, I haven't done Guns N' Roses yet either, just because I think Axl Rose is a piece of garbage. But yeah. I love the band as a whole, so it's going to be a fun one to do. Very nice. Um, and I, I will cover Elvis eventually, but that one's a little, like, questionable in some spots. So yes. that one will also need some planning around it. Okay. I'd love for you to do Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys, because that's my I other actually... musical session. I actually started an episode because I saw them in February. Okay. But I like to have a good, like, gripping story when I write an episode. Yeah. And I just couldn't find it with the Beach Boys. 
because okay. they're just kind of there and they do their yeah. thing and they're you know they're all related and so i think if, <laughs> i think if you did some research on brian wilson's mental journey that might make okay. that would be your hook i think because he's had a pretty tough you know he's had a he's done a tough job i don't know if you've seen the film love and mercy no the documentary that i started was really boring so that didn't yeah. help so um look up uh, john cusack plays the older brian wilson and paul dano plays the young brian wilson in the movie love and mercy and okay. it's a bio and i i think you'll like it i think that'll you'll see the story okay good all right um all right so um what else should i have asked you that i haven't Ooh. what's what's a great story that you're like man jesse should have asked that I mean, I, I don't have, know, Liam. What's a good story? I have my Bruce adjacent concert story. Please, I'd love to hear it. Um, it's it's so my current favorite show that I've ever been to was this past September. I followed the Struts, which are my favorite oh, band. This is good okay, for okay. four days. Um, it okay. started in Asbury Park. Okay, and so they were supposed to play the summer stage at Stone Pony, but the weather was horrendous. It was like really cold and rainy, so they ended up canceling the outdoor show. And they moved them indoors, which I was like, hell yeah, like I'm not driving up to New Jersey ever again. So this is my chance to see a show in the right. Stone Pony. Um, I, I'd go back to the Stone Pony, let's be real. But yeah, I know I, it was saying. not the experience that I thought I was getting when I woke up that morning. I thought right. I was going to be outside all day. And I was like, yeah, indoor show. So they moved it indoors and they split it into two shows. And we got there and they were like, if you want to leave and come back, we have extra tickets. Like, we're not going to fill the second show. So you can buy a ticket for the second show. And I was like, well, I'm already here. Like, our hotel is right there. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to see two shows. So the first show was the first show was just it was super exciting just for the fact that it was like my first show back in two years in a room, like with everyone's body press up against each other. Mm -hmm. um, it was almost a little overwhelming at that, like to do it again after so long. And like it was it was just a normal it was their normal set, whatever. Um, and then sometime between the first and second show, we left and the rumor started circulating that like, well, sorry, in the first show, they did do a Springsteen cover. They did a cover of Hungry Heart and it was so good. Like I go back and I watch like pe people make fun of people who take concert videos, but I literally go back and watch that video on my phone at least once a week. I didn't like that song that much until they covered it. And now every time I hear it, I heard it in walgreens the other day yeah and i was like i love this song now. Like, I, I really do um so then some between the two shows the rumors started circulating and they're like you know bruce likes to pop into random shows and i heard a rumor he might show up tonight like he doesn't need a ticket to get in he just walks up and they know who he is and i'm like yeah they know who he is yeah I can't. Sure. <laughs> um and so the rumor started happening because the struts have played with him a few times and like they're they're friendly i guess yeah. this rumor started that bruce was going to come to the second show i don't know who started that and so they were laying out the set list for the second show we're in i'm on the rail again and they lay them all out and tape them to the floor and then immediately they come back and rip them all up and then they just write at the bottom like surprise song and we were like he's it's gotta be it's gotta be bruce yeah it, it wasn't Bruce. It was uh, David Bryan from Bon Jovi, which was still super cool. And they did living on a prayer together. But um, I see why I had a newfound appreciation for Asbury Park after that night, because it was just pure magic inside the Stone Pony. Like, yeah, I, I can't describe it. I've tried to describe it on our, on our show. When we did the recap unless yeah. you were there. You can't you can't imagine what it was like. And then to walk out. And then see the greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, neon sign. Like I think about that night all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a great story that, yeah. And that's funny that you're, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. I, I should be happy about this. This is a nice surprise. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yes, it is. You could, it's easy to mock people that film, but then think about it. Um, before the pandemic, Brian Wilson, as I said, was my other, was my first musical obsession uh, before I got into Bruce the way I was. And um, he was touring and he was there in Jersey and Bruce was at the show. And then for the encore, he came on stage, played guitar and sang a little bit. And uh, I've said this only slightly tongue in cheek. If I had been in that show, 
God could take me, right? Like, let's, you know, like, I, I'm not worried about seeing grandkids. I'm not worried about my son getting married. I'm not worried about hitting my 50th wedding anniversary. I love it. I, I had seen it. Bruce Springsteen and Brian Wilson on stage together. That's it doesn't get any better, right? You got your priorities <laughs> in line. Exactly. There we do. Oh, that's great. That's good. Uh, how about you, Beth Ann? Do you have a almost Springsteen story? <laughs> no, the closest I have is just listening to the Obama um, Springsteen podcast. I listened to like the first or second episode. Yeah. But honestly, Bruce Springsteen is just kind of out of my realm only because yeah. it's just you know, when I think of Bruce Springsteen, I kind of put in the category of Billy Joel, Chicago, these yeah. songs that have very unique song styles. And that just wasn't part of my like yeah. realm that I grew up with. But, you know, honestly, I really didn't. What I love about our show is even artists that aren't in my realm, I have an opportunity to actually learn about them. Yeah. So really my Bruce Springsteen knowledge started on that third episode. I think it was the third episode. Was it yeah, third or fourth? It was one of the early. Yes, it was fourth, very yeah. early. Dang. Yeah. And yeah. that's where my knowledge really starts and be like, okay, like, you know, I think I can really appreciate when someone is, I mean, because Bruce Springsteen, he's a big storyteller. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you started in country and Western, Johnny Cash and all them who are just storytellers. Yes. And Bruce Springsteen does that in a way and adds this, you know, New Jersey rock and roll yeah. big sound to it. Yeah, it, it translates well in both those worlds. So I, yeah. I'm always interested how he took that and made it in a new way. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Springsteen's cover is Johnny Cash did a version of called Highway Patrolman, mm -hmm. which is off his Nebraska album. And I think it is better than Bruce's version. I just do, you know, um, Johnny Cash covers hit different that, his yeah. Nine Inch Nails cover. Like, yeah. What was Fred that? Reznor gave him the song. He's like, this isn't even my song anymore. Which I thought was one of the best, you know, that, you know, in an interview, right? He said, I didn't realize I'd written a Johnny Cash song till I heard him do it. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I cannot remember who wrote Dream Baby Dream, right? From the suicide. But Bruce covered that. And uh, whoever wrote that song um, died a few years ago. And he asked for the Bruce version to be played at his funeral. Uh, oh, wow. because yeah. Bruce's version of that was so good. Well, um, I do episodes and just throwing it open here. You're welcome anytime. Um, I will take Springsteen newbies and I will give them 10 songs for them to okay. listen to. And then they come back and they tell me they either suck or they don't like them or whatever, you know, cause you know, I, all I care is you tell a story, right? The podcast, sure. uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you like them or not, as long as you can talk a story. Uh, so I, I would look both of you anytime. Welcome back going. I really um, love that concept. Yeah. Yeah. So like we could exchange because um, I being a 62 year old guy, I probably can without i have not knowingly sat down and listened to anything of taylor swift's i'm sure i've heard a couple of things so you could return the favor right like okay here are 10 taylor swift songs you should hear jesse you could do the same thing here is my you don't want to exchange in my music yes it's all screaming it's uh, all screaming and that's okay there is nothing wrong with that as you're uh repping your skulls like tonight. that's right that's right my husband just got a skull tattoo today so i had a match all right very nice very cool all right uh any final thoughts before we get to the mary question no i'm ready hit me with the mary question all right so if you are listening to this podcast because you love beth ann and leah and you are a priority one listener of she will rock you podcast thank you for taking time and listening to this one i end all my podcasts uh not with don't do drugs which i think is a great way to end a podcast but i end it with the mary question uh jay armstrong is an honors english teacher he recently retired but when he was teaching he would spend two days breaking apart the song thunder road they would look at all the lyrics. They would talk about the themes that Bruce explores in the song. They would compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And then at the end of the two days, he would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? So Beth Ann, we're going to start with you. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? See, it's a hard question because 
when I listened to it and I read the lyrics, for me, I wasn't thinking as, and I knew this question was coming up, if Mary gets in the road, but after I listened to the song and read the lyrics, I feel like Bruce was trying to say something different. I felt okay, like please, he, sure. I felt like he was actually bringing us, telling a story of giving her an invitation, but I don't think he doesn't give us any notes of does she get in the car or not? He's just telling the story and convincing her. And for me, I don't know, like for me, that's more of an interesting viewpoint seeing it from that angle, but I guess to answer the question, I'm going to be contrite. No, maybe she just wasn't into it. Well, I actually think saying I've had a couple of people answer that. Well, let me let me get Leah's answer. Then we'll talk about Leah. What's your. So when I saw this question on the, the outline, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Uh, I, I like sent myself into an existential crisis for like 30 minutes earlier because I couldn't figure it out. Uh, I was like, there's no right answer. <laughs> and I think I've settled on my gut feeling this is just purely based on my gut feeling is she's going to, but she hasn't yet. Like the song ends before we get her decision, but she's going to. I think those are both great answers. So 60% of my people I ask say, yes, she gets in the car. 40% say no. Um, You are not the first person to say she doesn't say yes now, but Mm -hmm. when uh, the singer let's we can call him Bruce goes and later shows that he is worthy of her and later she gets in the car because he's shown that he can be um and then um I have had two or three people including Brian Koppelman the guy who co-created Billions said the whole purpose of the song is we don't know and if we knew the no if we knew it wouldn't be as good a song yeah so that's the end yeah I I like that that's kind of you have to forgive me. It's 1030 at night. So no, I understand. Is, no, it's every other word I'm trying to think. Yeah. But, but that's how I feel about the song. I feel like it's it's about the mystery of it. It's yeah. about him telling this story. I mean, like we were saying, he's a storyteller. Yeah. And a lot of stories don't wrap it up in a bow. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, what's her name? Patty Loveless. Um, yeah. the, the one with the holler. When the sun comes up and da, 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 that song ends on a very ominous note. Yeah. It doesn't fill in all the details. And yeah. I think really that song's a reflection of that old Americana storytelling. Yeah. Excellent answers, both of you. All right. It is very late. I've kept you up too late. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? All of our infos at shiwaraku.com. Our Instagram is She Will Rock You Podcast. Our Twitter is She Will Rock the letter U Pod. And you can look us up on Facebook, but who yeah. uses Facebook anymore? <laughs> yeah, I know. I recommend going to the podcast. I, I you know, two thumbs up. I, I just think this is a lot of fun. I think you will enjoy yourselves. It is a it is truly one of my new joys um, going through your back catalog. And I am honored you guys stayed up late to visit with me. And I would love to have you back anytime. Great. Anytime. Listeners, you go get vaccinated. Go get boosted. Please, let's be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. Thank you, Beth Ann. Thank you, Leah. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. I want and need your feedback. You can reach me multiple ways to tell me what you like or don't like about the show. You can reach out to give me guest suggestions or maybe to join me on the podcast yourself. We're on Twitter at SetLustingBruce or at Jesse Jackson DFW. I have an Instagram, SetLustingBruce or Jesse Jackson DFW. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash setlustingbruce. Go to patreon.com slash setlustingbruce to find out how you can support the show. And we have several tiers of support. Please go to your favorite podcast player and hit subscribe. And tell a friend about the podcast because that is the way we're going to grow. If you're not tired of hearing me speak, you can hear me on Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, where Charles Skaggs and I talk all things Doctor Who. The How Many podcast, where me and my friends Gary, Scott, Bob, and Jr. 
talk pop culture. And finally, my newest podcast, The Last Best Hope for Conversation, a Babylon 5 podcast, where Karen, Lou, and I are going through the TV show Babylon 5 one episode at a time. I am always looking for guests, so please reach out to me, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. Thank you so much. That was so You're much welcome. fun. What a great sign off. I love that. Yeah, that <laughs> you know, like, we're I, saying don't do drugs and you're saying, yeah, you know, pharmaceuticals. Kind of drugs. Well, um, <laughs> I started, I, I started this two years ago, right when the pandemic started is I started going, remember to wash your hands, remember to social distance, remember, you know, to do all this. And then I started saying, okay, remember to go get vaccinated. So I, I guess when COVID finally goes away, I'll have to come up with a new sign off. But for now, <laughs> this is how I'm doing it. And I like it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I am not just saying this, or I truly have enjoyed you guys. And I would love anytime you guys want to come back. And if you ever want an old white guy on your episode, I would welcome anytime. So I appreciate it. You yeah, guys get some thank rest. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank uh-huh. you for having us on. Bye-bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.